Welcome to this week nine edition of Bruce Monin's Computer Points. Once again, as I have been every time since my name's on the name of the podcast, this is Bruce <laughs> Monin, your host. Are you anticipating changing your name? Well, maybe I can take a week off sometime and, you know, other people can run it in my name. Huh? I don't know if anyone else is going to be able to write the script. <laughs> and that's that's 90% of the job. It is a lot of it, that's for sure. <laughs> I am Bruce Monin, your host, recording from the home studio in Minster, Ohio. Home of those fabulous 8-1 Minster Wildcats. Woo! And once again, as you hear, checking in from the greater Cincinnati area. Home of those 2-4 and four Cincinnati Bearcats. It's not getting better. No, it's not. But for the locals... The Bengals look better this week, so they, there's hey, that. There right? we go. Our Bearcats losers to Iowa State last weekend in what was best described as hot garbage, I believe, was the best I heard it described. <laughs> yeah. And it was a noon game. And it was homecoming. Which means my poor suckers of friends who decided to do alumni band were there at five in the morning just to watch that game and get a little bit drunk. But that's besides the point. A touch of imbibing tends to happen at such college events. Yeah. Especially when it's cold and, and rainy. But anyway, that voice you hear is our co-host, executive producer, and chief researcher, Rebecca Monin. Always happy to be on the pod. You have another chance this weekend. Home game for UC against Baylor. I believe you may have planned Saturday, though. Uh, I do. I would be surprised if it weren't on the TV. Oh, that's let's hope so. But that also... This weekend is the first event in the Grand Prix series of figure skating. It's Skate America. So I might have that on my phone on the side. It, it's a good thing the game might be on the TV, though, because in a bit of excellent teaching, my grandson's other grandfather has taught him to signal every time he hears the word touchdown. So hopefully we'll be doing a lot of touchdowning <laughs> during that UC game. <laughs> it's about... 40% effective. <laughs> Not every time he hears touchdown does he do it. It depends highly on the mood. Oh, okay. As it would for any one-year-old. Well, anyway, Rebecca, I'm going to tell you, I learned a new term last week. Okay. I was you do doing have a goal to learn a new thing every day, so I think your rate's a little mm -hmm. bit low there. Well, I, you know, I can't argue with that, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as I mentioned the last week, I'd been doing a little research on that Kelsey Brothers podcast. And they had a term that I'd never heard before. They call it a LeBron James stat. Okay. That would be a statistic that is, for the most part, irrelevant, except that they attach some arbitrary defined time period to it. Like, LeBron James was the first NBA player to score 60 points in a game before he turned 21 years old. You know, that little thing that qualifies it so that it becomes a stat when it wouldn't have been otherwise. Okay. Uh, I think one was something like one guy who had the most touchdowns as a quarterback in his first 19 games as a starter. It's like, well, who came up with 19 games as a starter? I mean, really. So it's whatever <laughs> statistic they need to get them to be the best and the most. Exactly. In a certain range. So I don't know if this quite fits the bill, but here's one I just recently learned about. Our Minster Wildcats, victors over New Bremen last week. It is only the third time in the program history that Minster won six consecutive MAC games in a single season. Okay. 
Now it helps that they played Marion local the first game. So that was out of the way. And then there Correct. were six others. To win. <laughs> the next question is how many times have we had six consecutive MAC games not broken up by a non-conference? Ooh, that's too much work for me to look up. <laughs> I so did it seems find, like that's a lot to ask for. I did find Minster had previ previously done this in 2015 and 2019. Those were good years. Good years, not state championship years, but they were no. what I might consider two of the better teams in school history. People won't remember it because there was no state champion, but two very, very good teams, yes. By the way, if Minster would win over Versailles this week, it would be the only time in school history they won seven consecutive MAC games in a single season. What are our, I know 2014 was a state championship year. What was there? There was one after that. Is that what, 2017 or? In 2014 and 2017, yep. Okay. The 2014 team lost three games in the regular season. The 2017 team won, lost four consecutive games in the middle of the season. They only went four and four in conference play that year. State champs, baby. State champs. <laughs> Tough conference. is hard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a ton of hope for that uh, winning that first sales game. By well, that we shall point. see. They looked they looked pretty good. Minster looked pretty good last week. Versailles took a tough loss. A tough loss to a cold water team. Knocked them out of contention to win the conference. Sure. Still a very, very good Versailles squad. Yeah. Moving on. I was looking through some scores this week, you know, trying to find something for the scores of the week, of course. As you do, yeah. And I found one that didn't quite make the cut, but could have. And it was West Muskegon 57, Coshocton 56. That is 113 total points in the game. Now, I found this intriguing because I had just received an email from one of our people who answered the quiz correctly last week, LS92 on Yappy. Okay. And he sent me along a whole bunch of data to draw from if I wanted to ask a quiz question. <laughs> of all the highest combined scores for two Ohio teams in various years. And I found one that was interesting. I saw in 2020 in week four. Two eight-man football teams, Lakeside Danbury and Toledo Christian, played to an 82-64 game. So that is 146 points scored between those two teams. So that leads us to this week's quiz, Rebecca. Ooh, okay. The question is, name the highest combined point total in a game in the 2019 season between two Ohio High School Athletic Association teams. And I picked that year because it involves two teams in our West Central Ohio coverage area. I was going to ask, but that's good. If it's, they're in our area, we've got better odds at winning. That's right. He's getting it right. So, Rebecca, if anyone wants to do the research or just knows off the top of their head when that might be, how can they tell us the answer? Of course. You can tell us the answer. You can submit your answer to our quiz and get the lovely prize of having your name called out. In if you so choose, maybe a beer at Bud's, maybe. Um, maybe. If they come, I'll do it. Hey, there you go. More diabetes. Anyway, or a non-alcoholic beverage. You can submit your answers or any, oh my gosh, these hiccups, or any comments or questions 
to us at bdmanin at nktelco.net via the email, or you can submit them on Twitter. 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 Sometimes you don't pronounce the T. You can submit them on Twitter to uh, at Bruce Monin. He's pretty responsive over there, I hear. Although no one sends me stuff there, to be honest. Everything comes by email, to be quite honest. You don't, Once or twice. You don't get any tweets targeted at you for like scores or interesting football facts? Well, I get that some, but I get no one really sends anything about the podcast to me on a note on those things. Yeah, well, Twitter's a bit more public. Yes, it is. And that's what I use it. In fact, I can think of at least four things that will show up later in this podcast that I stole directly from tweets on Twitter. So. Oh, boy. I won't tell you what they are. That way, we can't get into trouble. Quiz number two. Figure <laughs> out what dad plagiarized. Anyway, well, on anyway, to the computer points. On to the computer points. We actually had 27 teams change color on our color-coded chart this week. Week nine. Eight of those, unfortunately, were teams who can no longer make the playoffs. The other 19 were teams that are now playoff bound or had their playoff status upgraded. Time for a little, yeah, time for a little playoff clarity to come here. And hopefully that'll show up here as we work our way through the podcast. All right, straight to Division One, Region Two. And somehow I think Finley, since they're all alone in the first region, gets a, a little more here than I put for other teams. But then we did kind of just brush past them for most of the year, didn't we? We haven't really been paying attention to them. Finley, number three in their region. They are now assured to host their initial postseason game. They should finish fourth in this region and host either four or five Springfield or four and five Olentangy Orange for their first playoff game. There are some other possible matchups, which is probably a bit good for Finley because those two teams are going to be tough to beat. <laughs> Springfield's been a state championship contender the last couple of years. I'm sure their record may be four and five, but I'm sure they're a little better than that. I've heard the same of Olentangy Orange, though I have to admit I don't follow them very close. Those Columbus teams kind of escaped my attention during the season. What you looking up? I didn't think finding the mascot for Olentangy Orange would be this hard. <laughs> it's like, it's got to be like an orange, but I don't think it is. I think orange is the name of the township. No, you're right. It's a township. Oh, they're the Braves. Maybe. Maybe I can turn no. Around. Wait, that might just be for Olentangy, not for Orange. I did not anticipate this would be this hard. Olentangy Orange High School. Pioneers? Pioneers. 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 Yep, Yep. they are the Pioneers. Wow, what a challenge. So there you go. For all who wondered, Olentangy Orange are the Pioneers, huh? They didn't steal the Orange mascot like what Stanford is? No, yeah, no. Syracuse. Syracuse. Stanford's a tree because they're the cardinal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, has that stuck with me. You, you are amazing. <laughs> so much. There was a, a tangent here for all you fun listeners. Back in freshman year of high school, I had a class. It was science or something. And one of my teachers decided that he was going to give extra credit on quizzes to people who knew facts about football, which was uh, not 
I mean, the most academically sound method, but it did teach me things that I still remember. So that's something. And one of the quiz questions was name all of the mascots who don't, whose names don't end in an S. And the Syracuse orange is a singular orange. It was like Syracuse and Stanford and, because again, Cardinal, Alabama, Roll Tide, the Crimson Tide. But yeah, fun facts. I got to be in that class. Not saying it's because <laughs> I didn't know football facts, but it certainly was a contributing factor. Not enough extra credit, huh? I only be in high school. Oh, so sad. Mm-hmm. Got me out of giving a speech at graduation, so I wasn't too upset by it. And we're moving on to Division Two Region 8. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to start with Troy, currently number three. Their only loss of the season was by one point to Tippecanoe in Week 5. So that close to a perfect season going for Troy. They get their expected win over 5-4, and four, not Sydney, who's currently ranked 11th. The Trojans will get a spot in the top four of this region, probably the number two seed when the playoff starts. A loss would drop them to number four, which isn't that bad. Not really. Now, their opponent, Sydney, they are now playoff bound after last week. Nice, nice, upset nice. Win of, yeah, an upset win over Troy would get them close to reaching the top eight. Feels like they'd fall just a tad short, but they'd be close. The current number eight team is Lima Senior. They're expected to finish their rampage through the Toledo City League <laughs> against five and four Toledo start this week. The Spartans should finish as the number seven seed with a win. If they lose, they're going to be on the edge of losing out that number eight seed. They might stay eight. They might fall down number nine, right on the edge. And currently 18th is pick, what, two spots out of the playoffs at the moment. I'll call this one of Rebecca's favorite teams this week. Now, if why lose, would that be? If they lose to three and six Fairborn, they have a 1% chance <laughs> to still sneak into the playoffs. If they beat Fairborn, they have a 99% chance of getting in. They will have a 1% chance of still missing out. So they hit oh both ends of the 1% spectrum. That is pretty remarkable. I will say. Now, later on, as we work our way through, since we're heading into week 10 of the season here, we have lots of the a win and you're in and a loss and you're out type teams. That's awfully close on both fronts, but not quite there. So... <laughs> And I believe they're the only team that stands out that way here this week. Interesting. I'll adopt it as one of my favorite teams of the week. So noted. That seems good. Going down Division Three, Region 10, we have Defiance. Defiance is, Defiance is notable in that they are not a score of the week this week. Okay. <laughs> they did not win or lose by one point. They did not have kicker drama. So... We'll just note that they are a huge favorite this week, and the win should earn the Bulldogs the number nine seed and a trip on the buses to play Bay Village Bay, who's currently seven and two. <laughs> it is possible Defiance could get the home game yet. There's a 17% chance, but there's an 83% chance they're hitting the road. Bay Village Bay. I figured that. <laughs> <laughs> It makes sense when you say it like you would normally say something like, oh, this is Bay High School because they're in Bay Village. But when you stick it together like you like doing, 
It's just so funny. Bay Village Bay. They are on a bay for them. I would have been a little bit upset if they were landlocked. So I was kind of worried about that, but I thought they had to be on a bay. So Yeah, they're right up there on Lake Erie. Okay, that'd been my next question. I assume that bay is on Lake Erie. Mm-hmm. You don't have many bays on the Ohio River, I don't think. Not too many. Although I bet there's probably a couple around Grand Lake St. Mary's. Hmm, there could be. Future research here. Little mini bays. Well, while Defiance is hanging out at the bay, in Division Three, Region 11, we're going to look at Bell Fountain, who are currently number seven in the rankings. Another huge favorite this week. The Chieftains are guaranteed to finish in the top eight regardless if they win or lose. They're more likely to stay at number seven with a win. Bell Fountain has an 83% chance of hosting either five and four Miami Trace or eight and one John Glenn. And by the way, those records do not fool you. I think they'd much rather play Miami Trace than eight and one John Glenn, by the way. Sometimes the 5 and 14 is better than the 8 and 1. I don't think so in this case. Moving over to Region 12, we're going to start with Salina. Salina is now second place in this region, 8 and 1. They are playing the sixth ranked team in the region, 7 and 2 Wapakoneta, for the WBL title this week. Ooh. And Wapakoneta is a 19 point home favorite in this game. Wapakoneta has just been destroying people lately. Now, Slime is already guaranteed to host their opening playoff game, but a win ensures they finish in the top four, probably with the two seed, which would go nice with the uh, WBL title. Mm-hmm. Of course, if they lose, they'll still be tied with Wapakoneta. They'll be co-champions for the league. But I would think the Walpog people would say, hey, we beat them head-to-head. We're just, just a touch better. Just a- yeah, that would be the logic there. But anyway, a loss by Salina. They would drop them to around the sixth seed. So one home playoff game, probably not a second one. Now, if Walpock gets this win, it guarantees them a top eight spot and the opportunity to host a playoff game, probably with the number five seed. And the Redskins could still finish in the top eight with a loss in this game. So I'm sure both teams want to win badly, but they want it more for the WBL thing than for the computer points portion. Yeah, I would imagine. In between them and the standings, we have Tippecanoe at number four. Another big favorite this week. They are guaranteed to finish no worse than eighth if they lose. If they beat five and four Xenia, I expect uh, the Red Devils here to finish number two if Salina loses and number three if Salina would win. Whoever's in that number one spot must really have it locked in. Yep, that would be a team you might have heard of down your way, Baden High School down in Hamilton. Uh, yep. You'll notice Salina has about 19.26 computer points in second place. Baden has over 27 right now. Yeah, that would do it. No one's catching Baden for that one spot. The number 13 team, Elida, just lost to St. Mary's 43-0. Oof. But everyone else cooperated well enough with them that they have become playoff bound. Just enough second-level points rolled in, locked in their playoff spot. Just a little bittersweet, but they'll take it, I'm sure. Yeah, they probably weren't popping the champagne bottles after the game. No. If they can pull an upset over 6-3 and Van Wert, that'd probably only move them up to 12th. If they lose, they'll still be 13th. So not a whole lot on the line for them in this game. 
Unless they the really season, don't yeah. like whoever they play against as a 13 seed. Problem is, they won't know who that is probably until after their game's <laughs> over. So. Right. <laughs> well, if uh, Wapak wins, it'd probably be them in the number five. That's true. They would play the 12 seed, so yeah, Elida well, doesn't want to see them again. Five would play 12, yep. Oh, I did math weird. Okay. And now, finally, we haven't mentioned them much, mostly because they're winless, but Lima oh. Shawnee and Greenville, just officially this week, are now out of playoff contention. The old 16 teams in the playoffs can keep you alive for a long time sometimes. Especially if your last couple games would give you a ton of points. That's right. Moving over to Division 4, Region 14. I believe, if anyone keeps score here, <laughs> I thought last week that number 6 Van Wert would clinch a home playoff game with their win over 2-7 and seven Kenton last week. However, a few upsets in the region happened elsewhere, and, well, now the Cougars need a win this week over 5-4 and four Elida if they want to clinch that home playoff game. We lied. I lied. <laughs> uh, with, a, with a loss, Van Wert is projected to finish number nine, just missing the top eight. Well, they'd still have a one in four chance of making the top eight. But last week we said it would be pretty much a guarantee. So, oops. Not doing it again. <laughs> oops. Yep. Oops. Now, similarly, number 10 Napoleon still needs a win over 6-3 and three Sylvania Southview to secure their home playoff game. But they're a nine-point underdog, and they're on the road, so it's going to be tough. A loss means our favorite blue and white Wildcats are likely to remain at number 10 in the standings. By the way, I talked to a Napoleon graduate who happens to live in the same house as I do. <laughs> Convenient, and, that. <laughs> yeah, and she said growing up, she just thought all Wildcats were blue and white. So. That, that is how school tends to work. <laughs> they tell you facts and you believe them until you leave your small town. Heck, I'd believe it. It's not like we had a lot of wildcats running around to look at. No, other than not the, too many. The domestic wildcats. And they can be any color, right? They really can. <laughs> Moving up, we have St. Mary's, now number 11. They are now officially playoff bound after their fifth straight victory. And if you remember... After five straight wins, they are now five and four. Tough start to the season, been rising Tough ever start. since. Uh, another win this week over four and five Lima Bath gives the Rough Riders a 66% chance at finishing in the top eight and securing home field advantage for that first round of the playoffs. And we mentioned Lima Bath there. They are now number 13 in the region. If they beat St. Mary's, they get in the playoffs. But they still have a 97% chance with a loss. So Ooh. the odds are they're going to the postseason, but <laughs> you better you better check the scoreboard that night just to be sure if you don't get the win. And number 19, Kenton, and number 22, Ben Logan, now officially out of the postseason consideration. Moving down to Region 16, we have Urbana. Won their game this week. They are now 7-2, and two, but still only 14th in the standings with a 7-2 and two mark. They face 9-0 and London this week. An upset win would get the Hill Climbers a home playoff game. It's probably more likely they're going to lose, though. That leaves them with a 99% chance of getting into the playoffs. Probably seated about 14. I was a little worried there that a loss would get them 7-3 and and they'd miss the playoffs, but it looks like they're getting in it. Hate to see teams with that many wins not get into the playoffs these days, huh? 
Yeah, especially with the expanded number of teams getting in. And now that we're done of Division 4, let's say we move into our... Scores of the Week! Let's say we do. I'm going to start with one here. Ottawa Glandorf, 16. Lima Shawnee, 15. Okay. Now, neither of these teams are going to play in the postseason. They were both winless coming into this game. But it's always nice to see two such teams fighting it out in a good close game for a victory. They're still working hard. Game still matters to them, even though they hadn't won any yet. Shawnee was actually ahead 15-3 until Ottawa Glandorf scored a touchdown with 40 seconds remaining. Oh, my gosh. Wait, what? So it was 15-3. Ottawa Glandorf scored to make it 15-9 with 40 40 seconds left. Okay, okay, I'm following I did not see the video of it, but I'm assuming it must have been an onside kick because the next play, Ottawa Glandorf has the ball again. The Titans then scored on a 20-yard touchdown pass with 11 seconds remaining to get the 16-15 win. So they scored three points in the first 47 minutes and 20 seconds of the game. And then in the next 29 seconds, they scored two touchdowns to take the win. (laughs) Sure. Why not? Oh, my goodness. Our next, our next couple of scores of the week, we're going to use a couple of uh, of the large Catholic school powerhouses in the state here. We'll start with Lakewood St. Edward 28, Cincinnati Archbishop Moeller 21. After trailing 28-6, to Moeller closed the gap down to 28-21, threw a Hail Mary pass right as time expired, couldn't quite haul it in. It bounced around, hit the ground. Had a chance to tie it on a Hail Mary. Not this time. They don't Not all this work. time. Bummer. Our next score, we're going to have Cincinnati getting a little revenge on Cleveland. We have Cincinnati St. <laughs> okay. Xavier 21, Cleveland St. Ignatius 14 in overtime. A oh. few buses going back and forth down I-70. Yeah, that's a long drive. Holy cow. That's four hours easy. And you're on a bus. That's probably five. I hope it was a weekend game. Well, it was Friday or Saturday, yeah. <laughs> but like doing the math, believe, they would have had to leave. I believe leave. they were Saturday games, yes. Okay, good. Otherwise, they would have had to leave school at noon to get there in time and get back at like three in the morning. Yeah, I doubt that happened. Yeah. But that's what happens when you have these large private schools with huge enrollments that are always very good. They have a hard time getting local teams to play them after a while. Very true. So. Up and down I-71 they go. Now, here's one closer to your area, Rebecca. Okay. Cincinnati Indian Hill 21, Cincinnati Wyoming 3. Oh, I heard about this one. It popped up on my Facebook. It's like uh, it knows. Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's where I got it from. Maybe. Wyoming had a 75-game regular season winning streak going. That started back in 2015. Mm-hmm. By the way, in case you're interested, the new holders of the streak are Marion Local and Hamilton Baden, who both have 37 straight regular Not season wins. Not quite as impressive. Yep. Right. Marion Local also has the longest overall win streak at 41 games when you count playoff games in there. So there's our scores of the week this week. Ooh. I think it's time to get back to Division 5. Let's get in it. Region 18. We're getting in it, baby. <laughs> I just, I have the 
I don't know what song it is, but I've heard it at so many dances and weddings that I, it's, I'm sure everyone knows it. It's just, let's get bumping, 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 bumping. And I don't remember any of the rest of it. Yeah, I'm an old oh, guy. By the time slide that to the left, home... slide to the slide. right. It's a it's a line dance, crisscross. Everybody clap your hands. Not the Cupid Shuffle. One of the other ones. The, the one with the Charlie Brown in the middle of it. Maybe. Everybody clap your hands. Yeah, that is. <laughs> it's not the Cupid Shuffle. This is gonna bother me. I am so sorry. Well, while you do that research, we'll move on here. We'll start with Liberty Center. They stay at number one. It looks like uh, Bloomdale Elmwood is the team most likely to get crushed by Liberty Center in their first playoff game. And what's the name of that song now, Rebecca? The Cha-Cha Slide. The Cha-Cha Slide. Yeah. Not music's finest hour, I don't believe. Anyway, No, but it doesn't <laughs> need to be good music if it tells you how to dance. And then gets everyone dancing. I think it does the job. Kind of like everybody, let's do the twist, huh? Yeah. There you go. 50 years later, still works. Different dance. Same instructions, huh? <laughs> I, I don't know if it's got the same staying power. I haven't heard it recently. It might have been bumped out with the new generation. But That's anyway, back to the statistics. Like I said, if there's any new music I'm going to catch, it's if I decide to head down the street and go see that Taylor Swift movie. Oh, is it in New Bremen? Yes, it is. That's exciting. I was kind of hoping to be on during the day when all the school kids couldn't be there and I could just kind of slide in and go the back row. It's not. That'd be terrible uh, marketing. No, it would be. But somehow I feel kind of creepy being a almost 60-year-old guy going in and then all these high school girls coming in dancing and stuff. It's it also, from right. what I've heard, it's a very interactive movie in that she's got a lot, like the fans have a lot of chants they do while she's singing the songs, and they tend to yell them out during the movie screenings. So, I've heard you're encouraged to get out your cell phone and take selfies of yourself at the thing, and you know, usually they don't want you having any recording devices yeah, at the yeah. theater. You're supposed to at this thing. So Hard to spoil something that she did like 50 times across the country. Yeah. I'm intrigued. I'm I'm culturally intrigued to go see it just to see what it's all about, you know? I'm also rather intrigued. Now at Coldwater, the people there are more interested in their number five ranked Cavaliers. They are facing that longest active win streak in Ohio, visiting Marion Local this week. Coldwater almost guaranteed to host their first playoff game, even if they lose a win, and they could host two games. Be a heck of a lot of points if they won. And of course the undefeated regular season, the breaking of a couple of Marion local streaks, and the undisputed MAC conference title. Yeah, this game I'm excited for. In sixth place is Liberty Benton. They are hosting a, what I call them, a toss-up game, a game that's about to go either way, against 5-1 and one Macomb this week. The Liberty Benton Eagles are 93% sure to stay in the top eight with a loss. But they're only 10% likely to make it into the top four with a win. So I'm thinking they're sitting between, oh, about five and eight, most likely, no matter what happens in this game. Oh, my goodness. In 12th place, Indian Lake, now playoff bound. Now playoff bound. Uh, the Lakers, 12-point underdogs against 4-5 and five Richwood North Union this week. 
but they're probably going to end up number 12. A win would only move them to number 11 anyway, so not a lot of action on the standings for Indian Lake, no matter what happens this week. Now, the good news for number 13, Spencerville, is they are expected to win this week. The bad news is that they are playing winless Delphus Jefferson, so no big gain in computer points when they get the win. Doesn't make much of a difference either way, huh? Well, here's how much it makes. The Bearcats have a 97% chance to get in the playoffs if they win, a 73% chance to get in if they lose. So it does make a difference. And more good news, if they win this game, Spencerville probably ends up with the 15 seed and not the 16. So they are not going to play Liberty Center in the first round. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone wants that game. No, no, they don't. Moving down to Region 20, we'll start with Milton Union, currently fifth. Kind of surprised they barely edged out three and six Northridge last week. But the points were enough to ensure a home playoff game for Milton Union. If the Bulldogs could pull off a mild upset of eight and one to Graff Riverside this week, they will finish in the top four in this region. Now, Miami East is at 14th. They're hovering down near the cut line and they play winless Covington. So, again, not many computer points on the line. Mm-hmm. Miami East will likely be the 14th seed with a win. If they lose, they'd probably drop down to the 15th seed. But even if they win, there's still that 1% chance they'll miss out on the playoffs. Not very likely. Take a lot of upsets. But if you're a worrier, it's something to worry about. <laughs> uh, before we move into Division Six, I'm going to proclaim this time for our Team of the Week. Team of the week. Do we and have a will... a theme song for this one too? No, I was thinking I have to get some church choir or something to come up with a team of the week song. I might been just too, end uh... up being scores of the week, but with team in its place. Team of the week. I think we can come up with something a little bit different. I don't know. We're not the most musically imaginative people. There is that. There is that. That's for sure. <laughs> You know, I do have a gathering of a whole lot of relatives at a at a one-year-old's birthday party this weekend. It's possible they might be in a singing mood. You'd have to ask first. If I could get you in charge of thinking of the tune that should be sung to get this, I'm sure we could get the other grandpa to lead the way in a hurry. You know, Team of the Week has the same rhythm and beat pattern as Sweet Caroline. Ooh. We could get that done, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if we do get that done, that guarantees I'm picking a team of the week again next week. There you go. Bump, bump, but back bump. To this, but back to this week, our team of the week is Bluffton. And you may have noticed this may be something I may or may not have stolen off Twitter somewhere. <laughs> it was supposed <laughs> to be a game. <laughs> the Pirates have not allowed a point in their last seven games. Ooh. Winning winning by a combined score of 306 to 0. Oh my gosh. Usually when you hear a stat like this, it's from some kind of perennial power. But the last time Bluffton had an eight-win season was in 2004, which is, what, 19 years ago or so. Mm-hmm. The Pirates finished 11-1 and that year, by the way. One playoff win, one loss. Anyway, they should do better in the playoffs this year. I think they could have good odds at going better than one and one. I would agree. Speaking of Bluffton, 
They are leading us off here in Division Six, Region 22. Number one, Bluffton has locked down two home playoff games. They should be the number one seed if they beat 7-2 and two Columbus Grove. And if they lose that game, they should fall all the way to number two. <laughs> Columbus Grove, by the way, currently number four in the standings, needs that win to ensure they finish in the top four. And then they would also get to host two postseason matchups. Maybe a bigger game for Columbus Grove than for Bluffton, although I'm sure that feels to me. I don't have the the conference standings in front of me, but that sure feels to me like conference title game there, doesn't it? It does. It really does. Two big, two big schools fighting it out. Behind them at number seven is Tenora, who fell one position after beating two and seven Edgerton. Yeah. But the Rams are now guaranteed a home playoff game. So something good came out of that. I would hope so. Tenora should finish at number seven if they can beat this week's challenge, one and eight Hicksville. Tenora has the uh, light part of their schedule the last couple of weeks of the season, it sounds like. In 16th place is Paulding, and they play number 17, Wayne Trace, this week. Now, you'll like this, Rebecca. The winner is in the playoffs. The loser is out. Ooh, that is juicy. How's that? That is that is clear and that is juicy. Yes, <laughs> that's honestly everything you want in a Week Ten game as a uh, uninvolved bystander. That's right. It's <laughs> like high school sports movie type plot line playing out. Yeah, I'm rooting for this to be a WOSN game so I can watch it on TV during. It. I want whoever wins to go on and win the whole thing. Ooh, it that seems would be unlikely, fun. but that would be the way the movie would go. And whoever loses has a comeback story and wins it all next year. (laughs) We're making everyone happy here. (laughs) I like a happy ending. It's nice. Below them in the standings, number 19 Riverdale and number 20 Van Buren are now out of playoff contention. Mm. But the number 21 team, Sherwood Fairview, stayed alive with a win over 1-8 Hicksville last week. Oh my goodness. Fairview has a 12% chance to make the playoffs if they pull off the 25-point upset of 7-2 Ayersville this week. So they have so, to beat 7-2 Ayersville, and then they have about a 1-8 chance afterwards. That was the question. All right. Tough game. Would you like so a, was- a bit of a palate cleanser now that we've reached the end of this region before we go on to the next one? All right. This is entirely unrelated, but for any of you who are interested in the Cincinnati area, if you're going to be down here at any time, this month has both cinnamon and pumpkin ice cream flavors at Graders, and those are my two favorites, and I will be stocking up like crazy. I think I'm going to buy like four pints of each and just not touch them for like six months. Can't say I'm a big fan. I like the month when they had the banana chocolate chip myself. This is a good month for my ice cream flavors. <laughs> good month for your ice cream flavors, bad month for your diet, huh? Yeah, but the, the way our family works, almost every month is a bad month for the diet. <laughs> October's got all those festivals. September's giving, building up to Oktoberfest. November is Thanksgiving. December is Christmas. January's New Year's. February's Alex's birthday. So on and so forth. There's always baked goods happening, so I might as well have some ice cream. Speaking of which. Oh, boy. 
I just happened to be at a ordination of a pastor this weekend, and he had some friends of his that he went to seminary with come in for the event from Boston and Nebraska and places like that. And the one from Boston started snapping pictures. He'd never seen a dessert table like that before in his <laughs> life. <laughs> at a Lutheran ordination? That's that's always at the church. That is not said, unusual. <laughs> he said, there's more there than on the regular food table. And I said, yes. <laughs> yep. That's for darn sure. <laughs> the things we take for granted, I tell you. Good to know that the Midwest Lutherans do it different than the Bostonian Lutherans do. Yeah, I should have asked them what they would have. I mean, I did have the uh, Luther's Catechism book for Lutherans. I did have a table in the back of the appropriate potluck food dishes to bring by region. I don't remember Boston's, but I remember California was a lot of salad and tofu. <sighs> it was a, It was a wild generalization, of course, but they were pretty spot on for the Midwest. Casseroles and pie. Finishing up Division 6, we're moving on to Region 24. Going to start with Versailles. They are still number two after losing to Coldwater last week. If they want to be sure of hosting two playoff games, they need to defeat 8-1 and Minster this week. Lots of computer points available in that game. There's a good chance Versailles would end up seated number five if they should lose, but a win could keep them number two in the standings, so... In third place right now, West Liberty Salem. Their chance to finish in the top four rows from one and three last week to two and three. Mm. Thanks thanks to uh, six and three Paint Valley losing a toss-up game last week. The Tigers will be rooting for six and three Zane Trace this week as they attempt to beat Paint Valley. And if they do, West Liberty Salem moves up a little more. So. I do find it kind of exciting when the all, the results of your season depend on what other teams do it's tense kind of fun yeah it's like you you win the game and then you all just huddle around a phone waiting for the results to come in makes good tv or if it's a home game at your place and you have a good pa announcer he has someone tracking these games on his phone and the updates keep coming out over the speaker during the game that's more fun yeah it's an exciting um energy in the air it's very fun Oh, yeah, the, the score get, gets announced and the crowd either goes, ooh, or oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's approximately 30% of the crowd going, what, what was that about? Somebody tell me why you care. <laughs> Fun stuff. Oh, the joys of high school football, yes. <laughs> <laughs> In sixth place, we have Tri-Village, heavily favored to defeat 4-5 and five National Trail this week. A loss, and they will finish as the number six seed in this region. A win, they could rise as high as number two. Although I would expect they'll probably end up just in fifth place. But if things break right, they could just keep edging upward. They could get it second. One place down in seventh place is Anna. They are a 25-point favorite over two and seven Parkway this week. Although I'm not sure why I'm worried about that. They're probably going to finish number eight, whether they win or lose. So there we go. Time to start preparing for the playoffs, huh? <laughs> I'm sure they care if they win or lose. I'm sure they care quite a bit, yes. <laughs> In 10th place is Allen East. They will finish no better than number 9 and no worse than number 13, no matter how they do against 3 and 6 Ada. We're getting a bit of a trend here, huh? A I bit, project a bit. They, 
I project they probably win the game and end up as the number nine seed in this region. Now, we mentioned number 12 Parkway a little bit ago. They have suffered five straight losses. And Anna is expected to make it six straight losses here. But kind of a weird thing, I'm projecting Parkway to lose this game, but for the Panthers to then rise one spot to number 11 in the standings. Probably because of another win from Pioneer North Central, who is currently 8-1 and one after, despite losing to Parkway earlier in the season. Okay, yeah, that'll do it. By the way, a win over Anna could get Parkway up to number 9 in the standings. Oh, Arcanum is 14th, and that's important because they were 22nd last week. They are the biggest riser of the teams we follow this week. They moved up 8 positions, and they did so by beating 3-6 and six Dixie. So it's not because they gained that many computer points. That shows you how tight the standings were in that part of the in that part of the region there. Moved up eight spots by beating a three-win team. If Arcanum can get a win over three and four Bradford, it guarantees their playoff spot. While a loss means they're still probably going to be the 16th seed, but they would have a 23% chance of missing the playoffs. And that's not an insignificant number, 23%. They want to win. Over Bradford That's almost week. a full quarter. One and four Our, shot of missing it. Yep. I don't like it. <laughs> nope. It's too much. In 18th place is Triad. They are in the playoffs. If they beat five and four Mechanicsburg, if they lose, they are out. Unfortunately, Triad's a 32-point underdog in that game. So we know which way the odds say is going to happen. But... Honestly, though, I kind of wouldn't be surprised if it happened. Yeah, Mechanicsburg's a historically good team, but five and four is a little bit below what we're used to seeing out of them. Who knows what it kind is. of motivation they have in week 10. Yeah, feels like the winds are changing over there. We'll see, we'll see. And we have a little bit similar here in 19th place, Troy Christian. They are 99% sure of making the postseason if they win in a 16-point upset over two and seven Tip City Bethel. They are out with a loss. So almost definitely in if a win, definitely out with a loss. Not totally clear cut, but about as close as you're going to get. And down to our favorite biggest division, Division 7. Here we go. In Region 26, there are 33 teams, 15 of which have already been eliminated from playoff contention. There are only 18 teams fighting for those 16 playoff spots in this region. So relatively no drama there. As far as who gets in, correct. Yeah. We'll start at the top where there's less drama. <laughs> Patrick Henry, now number two, fell one spot after losing to 8-1 and one Archbold last week. They get the other end of the conference this week as they play winless Swanton. Even with a win, Patrick Henry will probably drop from number two down to number six in the standings. Really? Yes. It's tight at the wow. top, I tell you. Yeah, that's a drop. Heck. In third place is Macomb. They have a 50-50 type game against 8-1 Liberty Benton. A win means the Panthers finish in one of the top two spots in the region. A loss and they could fall as far as number eight, although somewhere closer to six is more likely, depending on you know, what Patrick Henry does in their game. All that kind right, of right, 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 right. I think I seven. take back the uh, the comment about minimal drama. There's a heck of a lot of it there at the top. <laughs> Well, at number five, we have Antwerp. They were undefeated until they were upset two weeks ago. 
Uh, they won last week and are now guaranteed to finish in the top eight in this region. The Archers are a big favorite over two and seven Edgerton. And with that win, they may make it into the top four. Although they probably need Macomb to lose to Liberty Benton if they want to get past number five. So figure them with a win number five. If Macomb loses, they can pass Macomb and take that force. At number six, we have undefeated Waynesfield Goshen. And it seems likely they could rise into fourth place if they beat four and five Ridgemont. And they're heavily favored to do so. But again, it's kind of hard to pick where they're going to end up because all these games depend on what happens to the other teams mm-hmm. up here. So it's a kind of a jumbled mess. Play them all out. Add up the points. We'll see what happens afterwards, I guess. Tangled web. It's a little, little clear for Pandora Gilboa, number seven. Expect them to remain seventh. As long as they do not lose to three and six Elmwood, they could drop a little bit if they lose that game. Heavily favored, however. Now, number eight, Lima Central Catholic. If they win against five and four Fort Larmy, the Thunderbirds will host their initial playoff game, probably as the number seven seed. Uh, LCC uh, is a three touchdown favorite in that game. If they lose, they're going on the road for their first playoff game. And as we will see later, that game affects Fort Larmy quite a bit also. So that will come up again. The ninth team, Defiance Ayersville, clinched their playoff berth with a 38-35 win over 4-5 Wayne Trace last week. That was probably a good one to watch. The Pirates look to finish about number 10 with a win over 1-8 Sherwood Fairview and about number 11 with a loss. So another team that is going to fall in the standings win or lose here just because there's not many points available. The 10th-ranked team is currently Upper Soto Valley. They clinched their playoff berth last week with a 24-13 win over 6-3 Harden Northern. Much uh, much uh, more anticipated game for both teams, I would say. The Rams look to finish about number 11 with a win over 3-6 North Baltimore and about number 12 with a loss. So their big little, game was last week. Yeah, <laughs> we're a little more stable down here in the middle. Sure seems that way. In 12th is Lipsick. They fell four places because they beat 0-9 Delphus Jefferson last week. <laughs> yeah. It's a little tight in the middle of the pack here. It's a little uh, tight everywhere. The Vikings will likely fall another spot if they lose a uh, 50-50 toss-up type game against 6-3 and Convoy Crestview, who's currently number 15 in this region. With a win, Lipsick has about a 12% chance to rise above their probable number 9 seed into hosting a playoff game. Now, Convoy Crestview, at as I mentioned before, number 15, likely already in the playoffs, but a win would allow their seed to rise from what's expected to be about number 15 up to around number 12. What do we have here? Arlington's number 13, <laughs> right, kind of right in the middle of that whole mess. Yeah, but... They are playoff bound now, though, so the pressure's good, off for good, Arlington. Good. After they beat... It. Who was it? Two and seven Van Buren last week. If they can upset six and three Lucas, they can improve their seed from what's expected to be number 14 all the way up to around number 10. There's a whole lot of teams moving back and forth depending on what each other doing this Yeah, it's a, real, it's a real yo yo of a, of a region here. Okay, it's time to get a little clearer here. Hard Northern, number 18. They're playing seven and two Marion Elgin. And in this game, Harden Northern is a one-point underdog. If the Polar Bears win, they are in. If they lose, there's a 99% chance they are out. 
And number 28 are now officially out, along with, as I said earlier, 15 of this region's 33 <laughs> teams. So many. One of them, by the way, Delphi St. John's, currently four and five. Good chance they'll win this week, end up five and five in the MAC and miss the playoffs with 16 teams That's getting in. Astonishing. <laughs> this really is way too big of a region. Yep. Yes, it is. Oh, my gosh. Okay, moving down to Region 28. We have a little action at the top. Good, good, good. And, we love action. And Sonia actually passes Marion Local for the top spot in this region. Really? If Ansonia is not the quietest undefeated team in the state, I don't know who is. I thought Marion Local had, like, a massive buffer of points. That's dang. But All right. here's, what, here's what's going to happen afterwards. And Sonia plays 0-9 Mississippi Valley next week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Marion Local plays 9-0 Coldwater. <laughs> so if Marion Local wins, they charge way ahead back into number one. Yeah. But Ansonia gained so few points that if Marion Local loses, there's still a chance they could pass back into number one, depending on what all the... Fascinating. And a big one in that case will probably be Marion Local beat Wapak in week one. If Wapak can beat Salina in that WBL title game, big points for Marion Local. It'll come down to games like that. I'm just trying to picture the flow charts of if and then statements that are happening here, and it really just spider webbing all across my brain. If you want to do one of those for Region 26, I think it would look like one of those murder boards they show on the TV shows uh-huh. with the yarns going all over the place. <laughs> I was just thinking about doing like um, even just one of those graphs that tracks each person's standing as time goes on and having like the final one have a just all the permutations of who would win and lose just jiggling around would be nightmarish. <laughs> if anyone wonders why I wasn't talking, I was picturing that in my brain. <laughs> oh, that'd probably be a lot more fun than that homework you have to do for grad school this week. No. No, it wouldn't, because that would require coding something, and gosh, I hate programming so passionately. (laughs) This homework is just read some slides and answer questions about how robot arms move. It's still fairly simple. I'll take your word for it. It's like they just, they have one or two axes of movement. It's not that hard. I think they have three, actually, but it's, I haven't actually done the reading yet. (laughs) It's like up, down. Right, Maybe a little bit side-side, and then like a rotation in a lot yeah. of them. But as you add more um, hydraulics and uh, joints, they get more complex, just like everything. Yep. Rather do that than code this gosh darn web of what would happen in every single situation if somebody won or lost. No, thank you. Well, well back in Region 28, we could say Ansonia and Marion Local will be one and two. Mm-hmm. Who is which will be determined later. DeGraff Riverside is currently number three, and they should finish number three regardless of the result of their game against 7-2 and two Milton Union. I love to hear that. That's really nice. Now, there is an outside chance they could be passed by number four, Minster. Oh. Minster is guaranteed a home playoff game. They are a 23-point underdog against 7-2 and two Versailles, but if they win that game, many points will roll in. And they'll many, be many points up in DeGraff Riverside territory. Don't know if they'll catch them or not, but they'll they'll be in they'll be in the ball. A win from Minster should get them, as I said, at least number four and two home playoff games. 
a loss probably means they fall to number five or number six. And I know more than a few people in Minster wouldn't mind that number six seed instead of the five to get away from all those other MAC teams that seem to be hovering on that side of the bracket. In ninth place at the moment, we have Mechanicsburg. They had a nice 28-25 win over 6-3 and three Springfield Northeastern this week, this past okay, week. Good. Expect the Indians to drop from 9 down to number 10 after they play 1-8 and eight triad this week. In 10th place is Sidney Lehman. They have a 37% chance to move up to number 8 if they can defeat 3-6 and six Dayton Northridge. So that means number 9 is more likely with the win. And with a loss, they could fall down to 11th or 12th. Sure. Yeah, fairly reasonable, I would say. Yeah, here's where it starts getting complicated, I guess. Oh, boy. But Larmy at number 11, they can still rise as high as number 8 and secure that home playoff spot, but they have to overcome being a 21-point underdog against 5-3 and three Lima Central Catholic. A loss, and the Redskins probably stay around number 11, give or take one or two. Sure. In 12th place right now is Bradford. Bradford should finish between 12 and 14 in the final standings. More likely to finish around 12 if they can beat 3 and 6 Arcanum. More likely to finish around 14 if they lose that game. By the way, for Bradford, they are guaranteed a spot in the playoffs. This will be their first playoff appearance since 2012. Wow. Okay. In 14th place, we have St. Henry. I think they've been hovering on the 99% mark for a couple of weeks. They are now 100% in the playoffs. Yay! No more 99%. Get rid of them. Uh, it, looks like, it looks like the Redskins should be about a 13 seed if they defeat 1-8 Fort Recovery this week. And they'll probably drop one whole spot to number 14 if they mm. lose that game. Uh, you know, I like this region. It's nice, kind of predictable, and not too jumpy. Good stuff. Well, let's see here. Let's see if that holds up. One spot behind St. Henry and 15th is New Bremen. They are a touchdown favorite over 4-5 and five Delta St. John's. The Cardinals look like they would be a 12 seed about with a win and a 15 seed with a loss. That's they are fine. Also guaranteed to be in the playoffs somewhere. That's, that's perfectly fine. Down at 18, we have Fort Recovery. They are out of playoff contention. Not enough points in their game against St. Henry to move up. On the other hand, currently ranked 22nd, 0-9 Covington has an 85% chance to grab the 16th and final playoff spot <laughs> if they can beat 5-4 and four Miami East. Of course, they're winless so far this year, and they are a 36-point underdog in this game. So the odds are probably not stellar. Not, not the best, no. But it, they're there. Something to fight they for. There. And as usual, we wrap it up with our eight-man football. Now, if I understand the playoff format correctly... Did someone send you it? I've gleaned it from various Twitter posts. Ah. It appears they are using the conference standings, so only the games that they play against each other. So they all had five official conference games. Some of these teams played twice. One of the games counted in the conference. One did not. But it turns out the conference standings are exactly the same as our computer point standings right now. Hey, Nice. So that means they're going by con and this week they're all playing non-conference games. So that means the final conference standings are done. So number one, Toledo Christian, currently six and two, will be playing number four, Lakeside Danbury, who's currently two and five, got a win last week to move up into that fourth spot. The other half of the bracket, 
Six and one Holgate is number two in the conference standings. They will face the third seed, five and two Sandusky St. Mary, in what looks to be a much tighter first round playoff game. Winners of those two face off. And I believe I heard it was at Bowling Green High School this year. Oh, exciting. For the eight man football, not for the state championship, according to the Ohio High School Football Coaches Association. Sure. And the conference championship, according to their conference commissioner, right? And that sums up week nine, Rebecca. Are they going to play their their playoff games immediately after week 10? And then as just far as I wrap know. like four weeks earlier than the, the rest of the team? I believe so, yes. Okay. Not going to do a weird two-week off, two off week in between each game? No, that, that can make things get a little strange. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Exciting cool. stuff. When we come back next week, the regular season will be over, and we will start with our first playoff preview episode. Rebecca and I have discussed this already. I don't think we'll be predicting every game because we don't want an hour and a half long podcast. (laughs) We will highlight them all. Maybe show you places where the odds say things may not go according to the, the seeds, where there might be some upsets happening. And we may even have a guest to help point such things out. I do love it when we have a guest. Spices it up. I would agree. So, Rebecca already told you how to contact us. Please, please subscribe to this podcast. I don't know why I say please so much, but (laughs) I figure if you subscribe, they'll just keep coming in whether you remember it or not. and That's good for us, right? It is, yeah. You may find this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music or on iHeartRadio, although I believe I saw we had zero listens last week on Amazon Music, so I think we're getting almost all on Apple Podcasts. That makes sense. But anyway. One of our user base is our family, which is diehard Apple users. So they are. I do hear, though, that a, a reliable way to get listeners across platforms is Spotify, so maybe we should look into that one. I should put you in charge of that. That would fall within my title responsibilities, huh? Or maybe I will look into it when I have a little more time (laughs) in about a week or so here when I'm not calculating all these darn computer points. Maybe that'll be a mission for the off-season. Yeah, that's probably more likely. But anyway, search for Bruce Bonin's computer points. Not hard to find. (laughs) We'll be here. And as always, be sure to tune again next week here on Bruce Bonin's Computer Points. So long. So long.